Thank you, Jesus. It's your presence that we need. Nothing else really matters apart from your presence. And Lord, as we come together, unified as your church, in this room, in this space, I pray, God, that your presence descends upon us. That same anointing that we've been feeling in worship, let, let that carry through as your word is being spoken. Especially, Lord, as we are studying about what it is to pray, what it is to come together and to talk to you, what is it to have that time alone with you at any given moment, God, that this is an invitation. And Lord, as we break open your scripture, I pray that you would anoint this moment. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, we're in a series on pray. We're calling it When We Pray. And last week, or over the last few weeks, rather, we've been, I sort of set a tone on what prayer is like and how sometimes, a lot of times, we can misunderstand what prayer is, that sometimes we can complicate it. And last week, we looked at the entry point of prayer, which is praise. A lot of times, we think it is uh, asking for forgiveness. It's, uh, it's, it's getting all these things done before we are approved by God. But we learned last week that it's about praise. In fact, I encourage you to watch that message if you haven't yet. And, and this week, I want to talk about the next step of prayer. And this is what I follow every day when I pray. So I start off in praising God, saying, God, I praise you. But then the next one, and today's message and today's topic, rather, is one of the topics that can be quite easily misunderstood. Depending on your background, if you've come from a religious background, uh, even when I say these words, you might sort of feel, uh, you know, just a bit nervous. Or if you've probably come from a background that is, oh, you don't really have a faith background, uh, but you're sort of new in church or just discovering this journey, even, even still the word can sort of make you a bit con confused. And due to cultural references and different contexts, we can mix up this word. And the word I want to talk about today is repentance. And I'm calling this message, Turn the Tap. And really, in a sense, you're only going to fully understand the entirety of my, the top, or rather the title of the message at the end of the message. But we're calling it Turn the Tap, which is about repentance. Our concept of repentance is so misunderstood. And the first thing that when, when I even use the word repent or repentance is we just think it's about groaning and crying and weeping and sort of like, ah, God, God, ah, <laughs> no, no, that's not what repentance is. Uh, people have been telling me that they've been loving the nasal twang last week. So I had to just sort of stay the tone and do a high-pitched tone just because somebody asked me to do it. But a lot of times that's what it is. We think repentance is beating ourselves on the chest and going crazy. and or, or rather, we feel that repentance is about us enduring pain so that God can feel better about Himself. And that's horrible, isn't it? I mean, if that's the nature of God, uh, that's some questionable preferences. But repentance is really an essential activity for anyone who's a follower of Jesus. And, and, and can I say, uh, before maybe you have the guardrails come on and before you sort of distance yourself from what I'm about to teach, if you can just trust me for the next couple of minutes, I believe it's going to be quite powerful what, what's going to happen. If you, if you do have a Netflix subscription, if you're one of those people that like to watch a series, we know for a fact that whenever we're about to watch a series, the first one, the pilot, the premiere, the, the episode one, season one, episode one is usually the most uh, you know, the most elaborate, 
attracting magnetic show in the sense that everything happens, you know, there's, 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 there's action, there's comedy, there's humor, there's suspense, you know, and always they leave you hanging. It's, it's like the one, the, it's the first impression. In fact, they say first impression a lot of times makes the best impression. And, and I want to, I want to use that train of thought in talking about Jesus because Jesus, as we know, is the son of God who is God. The Bible says he became flesh. Uh, who knew no sin. He became sin rather, and he became flesh so that he could live among man. And so I want you to picture Jesus. He's born as a baby. He grows up as a child. He's grown up to be a man. He's 30 years of, of age and Jesus's first message. So if Jesus were a Netflix show, I'm talking about season one, episode one, his first message is in Matthew chapter four, verse 17. And this is what it says. From then on, Jesus began to preach. And guess what he says? Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is, he, is near. I mean, Jesus had a long time. Let's face it. He had eternity before he came down to planet earth. And then he had 30 years on top to really uh, make a decision on what his first, you know, his first hit is going to be, what his first episode is going to be. But he chooses these words, repent. And we know Jesus is full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's full of forgiveness. He's full of love. He's, in, he's the embodiment of love. Uh, but I've come to realize that all of those things that I mentioned, mercy, grace, love, uh, power, joy, none of that, none of that has application unless we understand repentance. In fact, I want to read from Psalm 51 just to break this and define this a bit further. Psalm 51 verse 10, it says, David, King David is saying this, create in me a, a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I want you to know this, those words. Grant me a willing spirit, a willing spirit to sustain me. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. We learned last week about the power of praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Verse 17, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Now, David is creating a picture. He's saying, God, you don't want all these things burning around me. You don't want all these things beaten down and pressed down and all these, all these things that we think is sacrifice uh, unto God. But he's saying what you want is a burning heart towards you. What you want is a heart that is drawn to you. What you want is a willing heart. I want you to understand that there's a big difference here. That repentance is not a beaten spirit, but repentance is an open spirit. It's not a beaten down spirit. It's an open spirit. It's, it's a, the words there is broken, but really broken so that God can really enter that space. Broken so that God can really transform that space. And it's a willing spirit. And one of the most powerful things that we can say to God is, I need you. God, I need you. I need you today. I need you in my school. I need you in my, at my home. I need you in my marriage. I need, Lord, I need you, not just for the things in life, but I need you. I can't do this thing called life without you. And that is one of the most powerful prayers that we can pray. We need to understand that we've got to have a healthy understanding of repentance. And so based on the premise that I just shared, I want to share three things, three thoughts on repentance. Here's the first one. Repentance is not a one-time response, but a daily ritual. It's not a one-time response. A lot of times we think repentance is about crying and whining out to God and saying, God, I'm sorry. And 
all that sort of stuff. And then it's a one time and then God and I, we're good. But I want you to understand as we read scripture that it's a, it's a daily ritual. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, we're going to read from, from the life of Paul. Paul is saying these words. He's speaking to the Corinthian church. He's saying, I affirm by the boast, by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ our Lord, I die daily. I die daily. Now, this is a multifaceted scripture. The first context is Paul is saying that is that he has faced many deaths. So he's come close to the point of death. He's, he's seen death literally in its face. He's confronted death, but he's sort of building a second layer here. And the second layer he's saying is he experiences death from his own pride. He's saying, I boast in you, O Corinthian church. I boast in the work that God has done in you, but yet at the same time, I need to make sure that the work that God has done in you and me being a part of it, that I die daily to it. That never, I wanted to get into my head that all the good things that God has done through me that it's because of me, that I need to kill that part of me. I need to die daily. I need to lay down my pride. I need to humble my spirit. I need to pull down all the works that I've done, all the great things. Maybe you have a great job. Maybe you're in a great relationship. Maybe you're in a good season in your life. Maybe you're like, nothing's going well, but I'm a good person. Whatever we think that we carry of goodness, Paul is saying it's good to it's to sort of extinguish the pride that we may have in that. Now, I'm not saying that we should not have a sense of self-worth or a sense of self-confidence. But in the same token, I'm also saying that don't put your weight or don't put your focus on that. And, and anytime you feel there is a focus or an emphasis on that, that you would let that die in your life. I die daily. So repentance is not a one-time response, but rather a daily ritual. For me, what that means is if there's an area in my life where I feel like, Sometimes I just get too, too excited about it. It's good to be excited, but if I get too excited, if my focus becomes about that, if that affects my mood, if my mood is affected, if I'm happy because of that, or if I'm sad because of that, I've got to say, God, I need to die in that area. That's, that's taking too much ownership in my life. Here's my second thought on repentance. This is probably we're going to spend most of the time today. Repentance is a change of posture. It's a change of posture. The word repent comes from the combination of two words, metanoia, metanoia. Meta means change. It's from that word meta that we get the word metamorphosis, sort of like a transformation. The process of, 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 of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, the metaphorses, the evolution of something, the transformation. And we see this in scripture. And so repentance is that posture of changing. And the word noia means mind. Literally, I'm changing my mind. I'm changing the way I think. In fact, Romans chapter 12, it says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You know that word there, renewal, can also be replaced by the word repentance? By the repentance of your mind. By the repentance, the change of posture. In fact, we can take the word repent and we get the word repent and re means return. Return, we can also use from the word re, we can get the word remember. So a lot of times we forget the good things and we remember the bad things. So remember, repent is remember. And it's broken into another word, which is pent, and which is where we get the word penthouse. Now, if you've ever been on a penthouse, you know the view is great from a penthouse. In fact, the view is different at a penthouse. You can be right down the building, then you go upstairs to the penthouse and all of a sudden, what happens? You have a view change. You have a change of perspective. And so, and if you've ever, if you've ever encountered this, you know what I'm talking about. In fact, I want to share the story from the Bible about a guy called Zacchaeus 
who had one view and he was doing all sorts of crazy things, robbing from people, uh, you know, taking off from people's livelihood and their wealth and stuff. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is in town and, and, and Zacchaeus does something crazy because Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus. So you know what Zacchaeus does? The Bible says Zacchaeus climbed up a sycamore tree. Now that's a physical act, but I believe there was also a spiritual principle in it that Zacchaeus had to climb up the tree to have a penthouse view of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Maybe the reason why Christ isn't who He is in your life, maybe because you're looking at Him from this level, but maybe you need to repent, return, remember, go up to the penthouse to have an aerial view of Christ in your life, to see the hand of God, to see maybe you got to have an aerial view of that time when God saved you from that stuff, when God saved you from that life, from when God saved you from, from the jaws of death. Maybe you got to have an aerial view of how God was there. Even, even before you knew God, He was there in your life. You were supposed, we were supposed to maybe die. I can remember moments in my own life where I've been in accidents where I should have died. I should have lost my life. And every now and then I've got to have an aerial view, repent, to remember who Jesus is in my life. And that's what repentance is. I've seen this many times in my own life. I remember years ago, I was, I was in a hotel and I was at the pool. And when I was at the pool, I looked at this building and the building looked so big, this ginormous building, massive building. And then a few days later, I was on the plane and I knew it was the same building because the building had a flag on top. So I'm on this plane and I look down at the building. All of a sudden, the building looks a lot smaller than when I was at the pool. What happened? Did the building become small? No, I had a change of position. When I was at the pool, I saw it in one light. When I'm on the plane, I see it in another light. What is the area in your life that you might have a perspective about that maybe you and I, we need to repent so that we can see it in, in the light of something else. And I see that a lot of times in prayer. A lot of times when I'm praying, I say, God, this mountain is so big. This mountain is so magnanimous. This mountain is so crazy. This mountain is so wild. Goliath is so, is taller than the word told me that he would be. I thought he was, I ordered for a nine foot Goliath, but I've got a 13 foot Goliath. And all of a sudden when I start praying, boom, I begin to repent. He changes the way I look at things. In fact, even when two people argue, a lot of times it's got to do with repentance. One person has one perspective, the other person has another perspective. In fact, I, I find that even at repentance, and this is where maybe, this is, I'm, I'm maybe getting a bit too clinical right now. Maybe I'm taking out the surgeon's uh, in surgical instruments. But I find a lot of times with repentance that the route to repentance, a lot of times may begin with being offended. With being offended. Maybe if you are here right now when you feel there's something or someone or a relational scenario that's offending you maybe it's actually the entry point it maybe it's the it's the it's the prequel to repentance in fact jesus offended a lot of people and jesus did not purposely offend people but but we know from scripture very clearly that jesus offended the mind to reveal the heart a lot of times jesus would offend thought patterns mindsets attitudes and usually it's not because he was offending for the sake of offense, but usually because he was revealing the posture of the heart. And he was getting the person's heart to a place where they could have a penthouse view, repent, and all of a sudden have a deeper perspective. In fact, I've heard teaching on the topic of repentance and some of the stuff I've heard is quite concerning. I've heard pastors actually say this. I never want to talk about anybody else's teaching, but because I'm talking about something that is a bit uh, a bit close to the heart, 
this bit close to our hearts, our, our, our context, uh, I've heard pastors that say things like, you never need to repent. Once you know Jesus, once you're in relationship with Jesus, you don't need to repent. And I want to share with you this one thought that if Christians do not need to repent, then Jesus used the wrong words when he spoke to the to five of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. When he spoke to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, can we agree that he was talking to Christians? He was talking to people that follow him, people that are worshipers of him. To five of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, he said, repent. And, and so I want us to embrace this, not from a posture of condemnation. I want us to embrace this from a posture of strength. In the original translation, in fact, I want to I share with you one more thought. Not just that Jesus speaks about repentance, but do you know there's a portion in Scripture where in the original translation, God repents. You're like, what? How can God repent? I want, I want to read from Exodus 32, verse 14. I want to read it from the NIV, and this is what it says. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on His people the disaster that He had threatened. So in Exodus 32, there was a rebellion happening. People were going crazy and God said, you know what? I'm going to destroy these people. And when they say that when the original translation was being translated, the scholars got conflicted. And so what they did was instead of putting the word repented, which is what the original was, they took the P out and they put the L in and they called it relented. But originally what it was saying was God re repented. He repented from what he was wanting to do. Now, here's my point. Can God repent? How can God repent when there is no sin in Him? How can God, how can the God of light have any ounce of darkness in Him? Because repentance is not just coming from the kingdom of darkness into light. That is a part of it. But repentance is also a change of thought, a change of attitude, a change of posture. And what in Exodus 32 was happening was God was saying, I'm changing my posture. I held a certain posture, a certain direction, but I'm changing my posture. Now, as I'm sharing that, isn't it amazing that we have a God who demands nothing of us that He hasn't done Himself? That we have a God who died on the cross. We have a God who loves like nobody else. We have a God who's also, who also understands repentance. Here's my third point on repentance. It's about alignment. It's about alignment. I want you to approach repentance with the understanding that there is an update available. If you ever use a smartphone now, if you're an Apple user, you have a smartphone. If you're, a, if you're an Android user, you've got a dumb phone. It's okay. If that offends you, just swallow. We will move right along. Okay, so I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. Please, please, please don't turn me off. Okay, so here's what I'm trying to say. We all have smartphones, don't we? And what happens? Usually every now and then there's an update that's out there and you've got to update the software. And when the software is updated, there's sort of all sorts of things happen. Sometimes if it's an iOS, if it's a new iOS, the way you text, the way you browse, your email changes, there's new emojis in there. Like, you know, before you had 7 billion emojis, now they've got 25 billion emojis. Like it's an exciting day because the iOS has been updated. But here's what I found out that sometimes I sort of skip the update. I'm just lazy. I'm just too busy. There's not enough battery. And there's got this thing where you've got to keep it charged up and all sorts of things. So I skip it. And my phone functions to a certain level. I can still make phone calls. I can still do things. I can still be doing life. Uh, all that sort of stuff. But, uh, and he, uh, but I find that when I update my phone, all of a sudden it's like, man, 
It's a bit faster. It's a bit quicker. Man, that app looks a lot better. The app's actually working. There are apps that I can actually download now. And that is the same with the walk of faith. When you haven't completely entered the posture of repentance, you can still read your Bible. You can still have a bit of worship. You can still have all the things you do. But I've come to realize that when you repent, it's almost like you're getting your life in sync. In sync. You, you have an update. Heaven, I want you to know that heaven always has an update for you. Heaven always has an update for me. And, and the way we position ourselves for, for that update, for that download, is that posture of repentance. I want to I share one more little, little example to try and get this across. Now, my wife, Lee and I, we have two daughters, Elise and Nora. Now, Leah, if you're watching, I want you to know that you are still hot. Just want you to know that. Anyways... So we've got two daughters, and, and, and uh, over the last few months, uh, our, our five-year-old daughter, we've been trying to make her more independent. We've been trying to get her to have her own bath, have her own shower, and all sorts of things. And all, all her life, at least I remember from as, long, as far as I can remember, or at least from the age of two, she's always loved makeup. She's always loved, you know, she's always loved nail polish. She's always loved eyelashes. She's always loved lip balms, creams, soaps, shower gels, and other I've got here, I've got here my toiletry bag. I was going to bring hers. I've got, I was going to bring hers, but if I take it, you know, Princess Elsa is going to come all the way from Scandinavia and tell me to put the lip balm back in her purse. So, so I'm just going to use mine. But we live in a home where we have a shower. Praise God. We do have a shower. We live in a home where we have a shower. We've got taps connected. We pay the water bill on time. The taps work. We've got towels. We've got clothes. We've got everything. But what was beginning to happen over the last few months? Now, Elise is not able to have showers on her own. What would happen was Elise would have all these toiletries. But even when it came to having a shower, having a bath, we would still have to remind her, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. And here's what I'm trying to say. Elise had all the toiletries. You know, I've got some, I've got some toiletries here. These, this, these are mine. I've got, I've got, I've got this one here. Uh, this is a shower gel and a bath wash and everything. It's a two in one. Got everything. I feel like I'm selling stuff this today. In case I, I, I can't pass it, I'm going to sell some stuff. I've got, I've got this aftershave here. We've got all these toiletries here, all these goodies here. But here's my point. But Elise still needs to have a shower, right? And one day I had to take her into the, into the bath and I just say, at least it's as simple as turning, as turning the tap. Like we've got, we've got all the lip balm. We've got all the bath balm. We've got all the shower. We've got all the after shower cream. We've got all the lotions. But until you turn the tap, nothing's going to happen. Here's what I'm trying to say. You've got grace. You've got mercy. You've got blessings. You've got promises, you've got prophetic words, you've got anointing, you've got the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. But unless we turn the tap, and here's the amazing thing, just like I pay the water bills, we have a Savior who's paid the bill for your life, who's made you clean, who's, who's sanctified you, who's anointed you, who's appointed you. And it comes as simple as turning because another word for repent is literally turning turning away, turning away from a way of thinking to a new way of thinking, turning away from a way of alignment to a new way of alignment, turning away from a certain perspective to a new way of perspective. So this is my prayer for us, Downport Church, that as we come together, that we will be a church, even as we call 2020 what it is, that we would use this time to say, God, 
we turn from our way of thinking. God, if there's anything in my heart, if there's anything in my life, if there's anything in the way we do family, if there's anything in the way we even do church, if there's anything in the way we do leadership, that we would turn, we would just turn that tap a little bit so that your river can flow, your spirit can flow, your anointing can flow, your presence can flow. And Father, I pray right now, for every person in the name of Jesus, that their hearts would be aligned, that their hearts would be in sync, not with my spirit, not with even this word, but with your spirit and with your word. I pray in the name of Jesus that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are Lord of their lives, that you are Lord of our finances, that you are Lord of our families, and you are the Lord of this church, that you're the Lord of this house. And I pray that you would draw all people to you today that we would not just praise you and proclaim your name but that we would be people that would live our life in sync with your spirit in your name we pray amen amen and amen